Welcome to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Visit heartstrong.life forward slash login to access the notes from today and all the benefits of our membership community. One to the two and two to the three. Let the world see the Holy Trinity. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples of Jesus together. Well, good day, all you amazing heartstrong people. Today we are looking at Joshua chapter 20 and chapter 21. We finished off chapter 19 and 18 yesterday. Um, and it was about how God was into the details about our lives. Um, and in Joshua 20 and 21, here we have a little bit of a taste again of the kind of details that God is interested in for his people. And I want to share with you again, Jesus cares about the details of your life. And many of the things that we go through, we think that they, they don't mean anything or it seems irrelevant or boring, but God is in everything. Um, and we might not see the relevance of what you are going through or where you are at right now. You might not, you might not see what impact it's going to have in the future, but we have a father when we trust him and we stay in his process and in his principles and in his purposes, the small insignificant things become major moments in our lives. And I hope that yesterday's message kind of encouraged you um, in that direction also. So in this scripture, in this passage in, um, Joshua 20 and, and, and 21, uh, we have two different things that happen. The, the one is significant for a place of refuge, and the other one is the, the distribution um, of land for the Levites. Now, the cities of refuge in Joshua 20 is an incredible picture of Jesus. The Bible applies this picture uh, of the city of refuge to believers finding refuge in God. And we find it in more than one occasion where believers find refuge in God. God is where we're supposed to run. In Psalm 46 verse 1 it says, God is our refuge and our strength. (coughs) Excuse me. And He is a very present help in trouble. Um, More than 15 other times we find Psalms speaking about God being our refuge. It's the same city, it's kind of the same image that he's trying to communicate to us. In Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 it says the following, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, you might have a strong consolation who have fled to refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. God is the one that is set as our hope before us. So what is important about the cities, it points to to a similarity between cities of refuge and the refuge that we have in Jesus. You can run to Jesus. Both Jesus and the cities of refuge, um, when we read chapter 20, we can see that they are within easy reach. Um, of a needy person. They are no use for anyone if we can't get to them. Jesus is close. Your city of refuge was close. Both Jesus and the city of refuge are open to all, uh, not just to Israelites, 
No one needs to fear that they would be turned away from their place of refuge in their time of need. And the same with Jesus. Jesus won't turn anyone away. Both Jesus and the cities of refuge become a place where the one in need can live. And you didn't come to a city of refuge in time of need to just look around and stand around. No, you can actually live there. Uh, both Jesus and the city of refuge are the only alternative for the one in need. Without the specific protection um, of the city of refuge, we will be destroyed. So, so Jesus is the protection for our lives. The city of refuge was the protection for the people who were in danger. And both Jesus and the city of refuge provided protection only within the boundaries, within the boundaries of the city. The moment you walk outside, it means death was a possibility again. And I want to encourage you today within Jesus. He is your refuge when we stay within his ways, within his principles, um, his instructions. That's where we are safe and we are protected. And when we move outside of that, we become a target for the enemy again. Both Jesus and the cities of refuge uh, gives you full freedom. Um, and, and it comes... Uh, it gives you freedom and, and that freedom comes because there is a high priest that declares that you are free from your mistakes. After the high priest declares that you are free from your sins, uh, the ones that were chasing you, they had no more rights over you. And the same Jesus has declared you debt free because he paid for your sins on the cross. Now the last part is that, and there's a crucial distinction between the city of refuge and the, and the refuge of Jesus. The cities of refuge only helped the innocent, but the guilty can come to Jesus and find refuge also. It's not that you can only run to Jesus when you no longer have guilt in your life. The good news about Jesus is we can run to him at any time, even in our most guilty times. That's when he wants us to run to him. And, and if you feel any guilt today, I want you to know that Jesus, his arms are open, his ways are open. You are welcome to step into that. So for me, one of the most significant applications to these chapters is the fact that God goes before us um, and the Old Testament um, with in mind of what the Old Testament, the Old Testament and the writings is a shadow of what is to come. So God goes before for us. He gives the shadow of something that is a substance and the substance is Jesus. The Old Testament is the shadow of the substance. So the idea is Jesus is the refuge and the city, the cities of refuge were their refuge, but it's, it's the shadow of what Jesus is. He's the fulfillment of it. And I just find that so applicable for us to, to have. So our response to these chapters should be, God, we want to run to you. Um, we, we, we know that you are ready to embrace us. Uh, we can come to you with all our guilt, with all our mistakes. We don't have to be guiltless. Um, but when we come to you, we know that we are safe and we are protected as long as we stay within your ways and within your boundaries. Um, and I hope that you discover that in this passage today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we know we can run to you at any time. Your arms are open. Um, Jesus, that, that you receive us just as we are, guilty or not guilty, you receive us. Um, and you want to love us and protect us and your arms are open. And I pray whoever's listening to this message and to, to this, this study today, Father, that they will experience uh, your love and your kindness and your acceptance for them. We love you, Lord. Amen. Okay, Joshua 20 and 21. Now, 
What's so interesting about the Bible is about three quarters of your Bible has something to do about the tribes of Israel. Now, we, we, yesterday we spoke about the allocation of tribal land, um, and it's just one portion of it. But the Bible is filled with it. Whether it's God's covenant with the tribes of Israel, um, one of his many covenants that he made with them, or whether they lived, where they lived, how they lived, but three quarters of your Bible is concerning the tribes of Israel, which is a lot. Now, the tribes of Israel, um, they have been dispersed. They were taken into cap captivity many times, two captivities that we know, the Syrians took 10 tribes into captivity, the Babylonians took tribes into, into captivity. But when you fast forward way to the future, to the book of Revelations, we see the angel is dispatched by God to mark on the foreheads of 144,000 of the tribes of Israel, 12,000 members of each tribe. Now, it's significant that they show up in the end time because they come to faith in Christ. 144,000 Jewish people from 12 tribes of Israel in the future are going to believe that Jesus is their Messiah. How will they come to faith? Well, there will be two witnesses that show up in the end times, tribulation period. And, and we don't exactly know who they are. There's a lot of guesses. But through their witness, through their miracles, through their testimony, we know that 144,000 Jewish people will believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Then it goes from two witnesses to 144,000 and two witnesses. Now, I don't know if you know or have ever seen or been around a Jewish person who has been converted to Christ. But man, they are, they make it known. They're unafraid. They are bold. They are on fire. Now, imagine 144,000 Messianic Jews turned loose during the tribulation period. That's how I believe uh, because what follows that in the book of Revelations is that a multitude that no one can, can number the Gentiles, the number of Gentiles, who it would seem to come to faith through Christ because of the witness of the 144,002 from the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, we can't count the Gentiles that's going to give their lives to God because of that. So that is coming in the end time. So just think of what 12 Messianic Jews did. If you think about what the 12 disciples did, the 12 apostles in turning the world upside down. Now, now really think about 144,000 of them. Okay, so we have plenty of time to cover this chapter because it's really only nine verses long. So there are only nine verses and, and we won't even cover all of them. I, I want to encourage you to go and read them again. I'm going to read most of them. Verse one, the Lord also spoke to Joshua saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, appoint for yourself cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. When he flees to one of those cities and stands at the entrance of the gates of the city and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. 
Then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally. He did not hate him beforehand. He will dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment. And until the death of the one who is the high priest in those days, then the slayer may return and come to his own city and his own home to the city from which he fled. If the high priest declares him um, not guilty. In those days, there were no prisons. Justice was dealt out swiftly. And it was a typical street justice. In that part of the world, there still is a designated person from many, many families or tribal areas called the avenger of blood. If someone, if you killed somebody in my family, I will designate somebody in my family to be the avenger of blood and kill you or somebody in your family. And it still works that way, unfortunately. So a city of refuge was a place for a judicial asylum. Uh, so, so you could get a fair trial. If you killed someone accidentally, you didn't hate them, but you like the axe slipped and oops, it hit him on the head and he fractured his skull and he died. Oops, and you ran. You run to a city of refuge. And the way they were positioned is there are six cities of refuge in total. Three on the west side and three on the east side of the Jordan. They were positioned in such a way, north, middle, south, uh, north, middle, and south, so that you were not more than one day's journey away, no matter where you lived, from a city of refuge. So they were available to everybody. You could go there and they would give you asylum. You could, um, your case then would be heard. And if you did intentionally kill them, uh, it wasn't for, for capital cases, you weren't protected. If you did it unintentionally, you could live there. And that's where you would live. And you would be protected in that state. Uh, if you were innocent. Now, if you decide, well, I'm tired of this place. I don't want to live here anymore. I'm going to, to go out. Well, then who knows what might happen when you leave those city gates. There might be somebody waiting for you to take your life just on the outside of the city gates. And your life would have been over if you did that, because many of the Avengers would wait outside the city gates. So the cities are mentioned all the way down to verse 9 um, of chapter 19. Now, verse 1 of chapter 21, it goes on. Then the heads of the fathers of the house of the Levites came near the Elzebri, um, the priest of Joshua, the son of Nun, and the heads of the father's house of the tribe of the children of Israel. And they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, The Lord commanded through Moses to give us cities to dwell in uh, with their own common lands and for their livestock. So the children of Israel gave to the Levites from their inheritance uh, based on the commandment given by Moses. And that commandment of the Lord that cities and their common land were to be given was dealt out. So, so here's the deal. The Levites, they don't get a big plot of land. They did not get a tribal allotment like the other tribes. Remember, God says, I will divide them, the Levites, I will divide them and I will scatter them in Israel, Simeon and the Levites. So 48 cities are designated as Levitical cities. 
originally started off as a curse, but it turned into a blessing. And they are given these, these enclaves to live in, and they were given common lands. Now, what does that mean? It means that, that if you were to stand at a city wall, you would measure 500 yards in one direction, 500 yards in another direction, 500 yards in another direction, and 500 yards in another direction. And that would be the common land or the farmland. You could grow your crops there. You and your family uh, could hang out there. Livestock could be there. You would be taken care of within whatever tribe you are in. Now, according to one source, the Levitical cities were never more than 10 miles away from anybody living anywhere. So what began as a curse for Simeon and the Levites has become a blessing for the people of Israel. And now, peppered throughout all of the population on both sides of the river are the Levites. The Levites are the teachers of the law, the godly example, the people you can consult with, counsel with. They are now in the midst of what Moses spoke of. They are now scattered and they are all over the countryside. So all the way over the cities are given, the common lands are given. And then when we drop down to verse 41, again, we, we, you can have fun reading all those names. I really struggle with all those names, but you can go through it. Um, it says, have it all, all the cities in verse 41 of the Levites within their possession of the children of Israel, Israel were 48 cities with their common lands. Every one of these cities had a common land surrounding it. Thus were all these cities. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land which he had sworn to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they dwelt in it. Now notice, they possessed their possessions. They unwrapped their package. Their souls and their feet actually started treading on the places that God told them to go. And they settled down in these places. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had shown and sworn to their fathers. I love that. The Lord gave them rest. Um, I just love that, that according to all that he had sworn to them. And it goes on. And not a man of all the enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all the enemies into their hands. Not a word failed. Please notice that. And if you're going to underline a promise, that's one that you should underline. If you're going to memorize a good verse in this chapter, that's one that you should memorize. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of, of Israel. All of it came to pass. Man, I love that. Not a word failed. Now, any notable people come to your mind um, who were Levites? If we talk about Levites, uh, Levi, Moses. Uh, Moses was a Levi. He was trained to be the next in line uh, for the throne of Egypt. So pretty big deal. In Hebrews, it says he's considered all the riches of Egypt and he did not esteem them. But he rather chose to suffer, suffer an affliction with the people of God. He was a Levite. That's Moses. His brother Aaron, um, he became the high priest. He was a Levite. Eli, in 1 Samuel, he was a Levite. Ezra, the scribe. 
partnered later with Nehemiah and they settled in Jerusalem. They were Levites. And the most notable Levi of all is J the B, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a Levi, John the Baptist. Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest man ever born. So don't feel sorry. Oh, he's such a poor Levite. They didn't get any land. No, the Levites, man, they got a lot. They had a covenant and an intimacy and service with the Lord. Better than all the other tribes. And it's worth more than any earthly wealth. The Lord was their inheritance. John the Baptist, a Levite, greatest man who ever born, based on Jesus. So, I want to close on that thought. Um, perhaps if you were a Levite, you could say, uh, you, you know my forefather Levi really messed up royally. And because he did that, the prophecy was that we would be scattered in Israel uh, because of our sin. Some of you look back to the things your parents did and grandparents did. Maybe you are suffering repercussions because of the choices they made. Um, and maybe uh, your lot is poor in your life. You, you didn't get, get much like, like others. I don't have what I could have had. Um, I, I am not what I could have been. Um, I was mistreated. Perhaps, but now, hear me, it's time to see the cursing become a blessing. We see that in these chapters. We see that the Lord takes something that was a curse and he changes it into becoming a blessing. And great people came out because of it. It's time to let the Lord get hold of you. Let the Lord be your inheritance and watch what God can do in you and through you right where you are at. You can be a blessing to the people like the Levites were a blessing to those 48 cities scattered throughout the land. So we covered a lot of territory, which lets us get towards the end of the book of Joshua where it's really wonderful and meaty and perhaps um, you're going to find it very engaging. But I hope out of yesterday's message and today's message, you, you grab hold of two things, three things. Number one, take hold of God's promises. Number two, Jesus is set up as your place of refuge that you can run to, run to. And number three, doesn't matter what the curse or the past or the, the shortcomings of the past are, uh, God can change that around and he can change any curse that you might have experienced in your life into a blessing. I want to encourage you to run to him, take hold of it, make it yours. Thank you, God, that we can come to you and we know no matter what the past has dealt us, you are the God of the future and you can turn curse into blessing when we give ourselves over to you. And I pray that whoever's watching and listening today, that they will surrender to you and say, God, turn this curse that I've experienced in my life into a blessing. I trust you with my life. We love you, God. We love serving you. Your word is so full and rich. Thank you for giving it to us. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys and continue studying God's word. Thank you for joining us today. Have you become an official member of our HeartStrong community? 
visit heartstrong.life and click membership to sign up. Once you've registered, you will receive an email with links and tips for how to engage everything that HeartStrong has to offer. As a member, you will have access to so much incredible discipleship content found on the members page, such as all of our weekly Bible study events, a monthly training plan with disciplines and practices and discipleship questions to help guide you on your discipleship journey. We also have our most recent Bible study video, all of our teacher Bible study notes, and an on-demand video archive of all of our Bible studies that we have ever done. And lastly, every month, we create and curate content to encourage you on your discipleship journey. So what are you waiting for? Visit heartstrong.life and join today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together. One, two, three.